There it is. All right. It is Wednesday, everybody. It is our last show of the week, and we have a great one for y'all today. Today, we are talking about sex positivity. It's going to be a fun one. Here we go. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. Hey, you guys don't see it, but I'm dancing in the background enjoying that song every (laughs) single time. Welcome, 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 everybody. Once again, it is a beautiful Wednesday afternoon over here in sunny San Diego. Before we jump in and chat with our awesome guest today, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show on all social medias at Practicing Poly A, right down there. Um, And if you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast app, please subscribe, leave a review wherever it is that you're downloading the pod. Also, if you'd like to support the show, uh, please send me a DM on whichever social uh, media that you prefer, your favorite one. Ask me about your malpractice or errors in emissions insurance. I'm an insurance guy. I can help you out. And as always, I want to remind you, if you are listening to this show, you are a welcomed guest to be on the show. If you're actively polyamorous, polyam curious, or a professional serving the polyamorous community, I want to hear your story. If you're disabled, BIPOC, pan, bi, demi, gay, straight, sex worker, kinkster, queer, lesbian, trans, NB, arrow, ace, whatever. I want to hear your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us, the more representation we have, and the better we can serve our community. All right, that's my spiel every day. Ladies and gentle thems, let's get on with the show. Today's amazing guest is an ASEC and Gottman Institute certified sex therapist who takes an educational approach to therapy. She sees her role as asking useful, thought-provoking questions, and she provides resources, tools, and handouts while providing honest and caring feedback. Our guest cares not only about her clients, but also about the world at large. She's been involved in social, racial, and economic justice for several years, and she brings an enduring awareness of class, race, gender, and systems of oppression to conversations in therapy. No matter your background, and despite our generally sex-negative society, you can be sure to find an ally with her. Helping people find solutions to problems that Steve seem unsolvable to them is the most rewarding part of her job she often brings humor and lightness to conversations about aspects of life that are typically unspoken joining us today from sexpositivetherapist.com welcome to the show kate mcnulty hi thanks so much for having me I forgot to warn you about that. We have movie (laughs) clips and we have audio and we have these little things that we play uh, to have fun. And but yeah, welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love a multimedia experience. Thanks for having (laughs) me. and I'm delighted to be here and to learn more about your show because it just sounds like you're very inclusive host. And this is the kind of work that thrills me to be bringing people together and talking about important ideas and helping communities generate possibilities. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I am definitely trying to be as inclusive as possible. And it seems like you've done uh, a lot of the same type of work. Can you give me a little bit of background on yourself, some of this work that you've done, and specifically about how, how you work within the polyamorous community? 
Well, now I have a private practice and I just see couples, uh, you know, throuples uh, or individuals in my office. So I'm not so community oriented in my business life, but mm-hmm. I've been very involved in activism and that's important to me. Uh, and I really see that, you know, people who are thinking about new ideas and open to new relationship structures and creative ways of being in relationship tend to be like-minded in terms of being exploratory and curious. So that's part of what is meaningful to me about this work is meeting so many people who are imaginative and just open to a lot of possibilities for themselves. Yeah, I suppose we have to be open to those possibilities because I know that a lot of people are feeling a lot like this guy. I wasn't aware that was something a person could do. When they think about, you know, when 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 we think about or when we first get introduced to polyamory or any of these things, it's it's all mind blowing. It's all new. And, uh, you know, to be completely honest with you, even a lot of the stuff that that I mentioned in in your intro, the uh, race, gender, systems of oppression, all of these different activism things that a lot of those things are pretty new to me. Can you tell me a little bit about your work there in the in in the past? Well, when I think about the idea of monogamous relationships and the legal structure of marriage, you know, that's a very fundamental value in our society. But those practices are about property and ownership of people. Mm -hmm. You know, it all originates in women being the property of their husbands. And that Mm. the more we think about flexible relationships and relationships where people have both uh, rights and freedoms. We're really speaking a revolutionary kind of language is the way I see it. I totally agree with that. Traditionally, you know, when we think about stuff like gender roles, um, you know, there are things that define what a real man is supposed to be. And a lot of that is being changed and challenged uh, not just by polyamory, but by society at large. Um, can you tell me, can you kind of speak to that, the, 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 the challenging of these gender roles uh, that you see in your work? One thing that comes to my mind is how, of course, you know, I think we're coming to recognize how much men lose by needing to be emotionally controlled and emotionally shut down. And that's certainly something I hear, uh, you know, in, in straight relationships, I hear a lot of complaints repeatedly about women saying, my husband doesn't seem like he really expresses a lot of feelings, or I don't really know what his inner world is like. And so I think men are starting to recognize the richness and possibility of having uh, a deep emotional life and being expressive people. But I also think about it, I mean, in the context of your show, I think about the ways that so many people get caught up in relationships where they're keeping secrets from their partner or, you know, they're cheating. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're straying from the relationship. They're breaking promises. And I think that part of that is that people haven't had exposure to the kinds of ideas that you're uh, explaining. And so they have this terrible identity of themselves as somebody who uh, is immoral or mm-hmm. has something wrong with them. When really, you know, if they understood more about how to navigate complexities in relationships and express themselves more clearly, we'd all be operating in a very different society because there would be more skill and more care mm-hmm. that we could exercise with one another. 
um, instead of getting caught up in these awful situations where people are leading a secret life and looking at porn or going to strippers or paying sex workers and keeping it uh, on the down low. So right. the more we can help people express themselves in a healthful way and take uh, responsibility for their de desires, but also feel more freedom about expressing their desires and being articulate about how they want to live, you know, communicating clearly to their partners and the people around them. Uh, that's what's going to help move us toward a new future. I 100% agree with that. And a lot of that really, uh, in my opinion, comes from that generally sex negative culture we we're we're taught we're um you know programmed to believe in monogamy being you know the one true way and mm -hmm. and that's you know the the path that we're all very much expected to follow and so when we have these desires outside of our relationship it's viewed just generally as negative is that um I guess that that's kind of my interpretation of being sex negative, you know, where, where we don't want to stray outside of these relationships. We, we need to stay just within the relationship, even if our needs aren't being met. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would you say that, that, that there's a lot of that that's kind of embroiled in that same uh, philosophy? Yeah. And what I see in my practice is a lot of people who are very nice they know how to be nice to their partner and they would rather avoid conflict if at all possible. And so that's what puts them in a position where their sexual self, their, um, their desires and their sexual imagination uh, expands beyond the bounds of what they're doing in the relationship with a monogamous partner. And so they decide, well, because I'm nice and I don't want to have a hassle with my partner. I don't want to cause distress for anybody. I'm just going to handle it over here. I'm going to put it over on the side and do something different with it with another person and keep mm -hmm. it away from my partner as though I don't want it to contaminate the life that I have. And so people who can take more uh, take more time to name their feelings and get to know their feelings and be honest with themselves as well as their partners, uh, you know, that's when we're going to have a healthier a healthier kind of relationship and people who all feel better because things are more clear. Everybody can live mm -hmm. in integrity and have more of a sense of wholeness and that they get to be the real self that they are with the, the people who are intimates in their life. Right. Instead of this hiddenness and what I, uh, a tan, a tan. That was random. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, this type of, thinking uh this this hiding uh of other partners or other desires it's not exclusive to monogamy right mm -hmm. it happens mm -hmm. in polyamorous relationships True. yeah all the time cheating happens in polyamory mm -hmm. if anybody's listening mm -hmm. out there it happens okay it, it, we're, we're not we're not immune to that so what are some of the things that if there is that desire that's that's not being met, somebody doesn't necessarily want to talk to their partner about it, even if we're in polyamorous situations, what are some strategies that you start talking uh, your clients through to help open up that conversation and get things moving? Well, first of all, we have to get clear within ourselves. And that's part of the value of what you can do with a skilled therapist 
is somebody who's going to help you sort of untangle stuff that's going on inside of you. And if you don't have a therapist or you'd rather not visit someone like that, just getting a good friend, you know, having a confidant who's a peer with you who can help you express yourself. But I think getting the getting the conversation going with somebody else is another level of challenge. And that often involves things like making, making time, you know, making sure your partner knows, listen, I have something I'd like to talk about and it, it might be kind of sensitive. So when's a good time for us to get together? I don't want to spring anything on you, but I want you to know we need to allow ourselves some privacy and a time and place we can concentrate a bit. Mm -hmm. Right. So people need to be ready for that kind of preamble. They need to have an agreement like this is what we do when something's hot is coming up so <laughs> that we know we can get ourselves ready. And then having the for the focus and the concentration to recognize we have to take care of one another's feelings when we're having these kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, one way we talk about this in therapy is it's difficult because we're kind of, we're, we're asking our brains to do something that they're not really structured to do. But when we're in a conflict situation or a challenging situation, we want to listen for what do we agree with about what the other person's saying. Ah. We don't want to prepare our argument and counter them and, and argue our own point of view. We want to try to listen when they talk for what are the parts that we can affirm or we can validate or we can see like, well, I guess that I understand why it might be like that for you. It hurts me. It worries me. I don't like hearing that, but I can understand why you might have that experience or that point of view. I absolutely love that strategy. That's that's something that I hadn't really heard or or thought of before to and and that is a habit I know that a lot of people get into when we're having these conversations, we are preparing our argument. We're listening to be able to argue whatever it is that we're, we're arguing uh -huh. for, but you are saying listen to what you agree with. Listen for what you agree with. I Bravo on that one. That one, I give not it Not easy 10. to do. Easy for me <laughs> to say, not so easy to do. Because that's not how we're naturally wired. You know, we want, we get anxiety going and we want to protect mm -hmm. ourselves and have a defense prepared. But part of intimacy is taking down those barriers and those natural habits of self-protection and being willing to be vulnerable in another person's presence. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that you said was having another person to talk to, uh, whether it's uh, maybe a therapist or a trusted friend or something along those lines. I would probably lean towards uh, the therapist. I'm, I'm starting my own uh, therapy. Just like this week, I met with them and they're you know gonna put me with the right person or whatever. Uh -huh. So uh, I'm, I'm honestly, uh, I'm excited about it. I. I know that that it's going to help uh, and having that other person, that non unrelated person to kind of just bounce ideas from and say, well, maybe if you approach it this way, you know, that might be better or, you know, think about it, this other, you know, look at it from this point of view. Um, it, it, I really think that those type of things are super, super helpful. Um, but even that, even getting, to a point where you're willing to talk to a therapist, that's a challenge. If somebody is out there and is not sure 
if they are ready to talk to a therapist or if they should be talking to a therapist, what would you say to someone who's kind of on the fence about talking to a therapist at all? I'd say get online and just look at people's profiles and read about what they have to say and see if you have a reaction to their photographs. You know, that's one way to just kind of dip a toe in and get a sense of how this world works. Certainly, we're all very different from one another, and there are many schools of thought about therapy, but just educating yourself by just looking at the people who are doing the work is a one way to start getting your bearings. And I think, too, just making some list for yourself in preparation about what do I want out of this or how do I imagine this might help me? How can it serve my interests so that you would start making your phone calls or sending your emails with some kind of agenda Mm -hmm. so that you're not just showing up like a blank slate. You can say, like, this is the issue I'd like to work on or this is the way I'd like to start growing. Uh, That helps us know how we can address your concerns or give you some kind of sample really of how we Mm -hmm. might, we might uh, work with you. So if I am going to hire a therapist, I should have some kind of a goal in mind or some kind of a, um, an outcome that I'd like to see. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It could be like a problem you're working on now or some kind of aspiration or hope you have about like, this is the way I'd like my life to be better. These are the Mm -hmm. improvements that I like to see. So the more we know what you're looking for, then we can give you some sort of useful response about like, this is how I generally help this kind of client, or here are some situations like yours that I've worked on and some of the sort of techniques that I've used with clients. That makes sense. I, uh, when I spoke with the first therapist, I don't know if this is going to be my therapist forever, but, uh, when I spoke to him, you know, they went through a series of questions just to kind of get an understanding of, uh, you know, where I need help. I ended up, you know, talking basically about, um, about business and relationships, finances and relationships. Like these are the, the big stressors in my life and, you know, where, where I personally need to improve. And so to me, that's like a very broad and general, topic, do I need to dive down even deeper when I am uh, looking for this therapist? Or is that kind of what a therapist would help me do? Well, I think a, I think a, a therapist probably wants you to pace yourself. And, you know, sometimes what I have happened is that people might have a first session with me or, or want to speak briefly on the phone before we meet. And sometimes they spill over so much, you know, they tell me so much about themselves, it might feel a bit too exposing. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard for them to want to come back because they kind of, they let their defenses down without knowing me and not knowing oh. whether they can really trust me. You know, it's reasonable, like in any relationship, it takes a little time to get a sense of how I tick. And, you know, you learn by my responses do I seem like somebody who's on your wavelength and are we a good fit? So we don't need for you to come in and just blah and disclose everything <laughs> because sometimes that's not in your own interests. You know, we want you to have a comfortable pace and have an opportunity to feel out like, are we, are you in the right spot and are we a good fit before you take it all the way? Nice. I love it. Well, thank you for the advice for anybody who uh, might be on the fence about getting a therapist. And uh, I'm starting to believe more and more that everybody should. Now, circling us back 
to dismantling our sex negative culture. What are some big things, some big themes that you are seeing from your patients, from your own experience um, that really drive the nail home that we have to start having these conversations in the broader culture? And what are those conversations? What, what, questions or what topics do we need to be talking about to start opening these things up and and really giving people the space to be themselves that's a big question i guess i'm just thinking about how i mean i just see more and more insistence from younger people that this has mm -hmm. to be acknowledged you know we have to recognize that sex is relevant to everyone and certainly as we see more um, efforts to get rights for trans people and make sex work legal and have more um, uh, freedom in our culture, I think there's going to be more room for people to be fully um, sexual to whatever extent they want. Um, I think these are just tough conversations to have. You know, one of the struggles that I hear from the people I see who are in open relationships or polyam relationships is, how do I let other people know? Right. Kind of like what I was just saying a few minutes ago, like how do I tell whether it's safe for somebody to know what my life is really like, especially, mm -hmm. well, anywhere, you know, in family contexts and certainly work is a whole nother mm -hmm. realm, you know, and you have to maintain your kind of professional boundaries to keep your job. Um, there can be, you know, it's, it's not a frequent thing, but uh, the more exposure open relationships get, the more volume of people are doing it, we see people who run into legal difficulties and right. struggles about who's allowed to be with the, the ill person on the ICU or mm -hmm. who gets to have custody of that child. So those kinds of very tangled questions get introduced. But I think, you know, having that sense that you want to tread carefully because once you've said something to somebody, you can't unsay it. You know, you can't right. take it back once you've disclosed. So the more careful you are about protecting yourself and making sure that it's only trusted people who have your information, I think that's really where we are right now. But there's more and more acknowledgement in media and certainly for youth-oriented media, I think there's more recognition that open relationships can be loving, committed, long-lasting, healthy, uh, I think there's just more receptivity to that idea that this isn't some weird fringe thing that only the strange do or, uh, you know, that's only for people who are not well. Um, mm -hmm. So that gives me hope. Yeah, me too. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. <laughs> uh in fact just today uh i went to get my hair cut and uh, i know my barber pretty well so you know we're catching up and uh, i'm talking about this podcast talking about the practicing polyamory podcast and somebody who's sitting on a bench overhears the word polyamory he's like what what polyamorous i'm polyamorous i got two wives and he's you know comes over and shows me pictures and it's just like this a uh, cool, e exciting moment that uh, we're... Well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, we're having, like, uh, more of these conversations and more of the representation. Uh, like I say at the beginning of the show, the more stories we have, you know, the more representation uh, that we're able to provide. Um, 
there was somewhere that I wanted to go with that. And I'm trying to backtrack my brain a little bit. You were talking about um, the legal issues. And I was thinking that there aren't legal protections for polyamory in open relationships, non-monogamy, yeah. et cetera, in the same way that we have uh, over the years developed protections for sexual orientation. Uh-huh. Um, so for our LGBT, LGBTQA, et cetera, community. Uh-huh. Um, what, if any, conversations need to start happening in order for some of those legal protections to kind of start coming to fruition. I mean, is do you see it personally as something that's even possible for us to have these legal protections for the relationship styles that we choose? I think already the city of Somerville, Massachusetts has extended um, domestic partner benefits to include households of more than two people. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I have seen over time is that any of these kinds of legal changes tend to happen on a micro league, uh, a local level and then get extended by, you know, county, state and become legislation gradually. But they have to start as a little seed in a community where mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people cared about this enough that they signed petitions or showed up at boring meetings and <laughs> made it happen. Right. I do know that, uh, I, I don't know if this is helpful, but I want to mention one resource that your listeners might want to know about is the Kink Aware Professionals website, because oh. there are a lot of attorneys in the kink community. And And so there are a lot of attorneys who like helping people who are in alternative relationships. And those people are resources and guide, you know, can offer guidance to all of us about legal actions, legal protections, and how to get involved in activist efforts. Nice. And uh, while you were talking about it, I went ahead and Googled it. And that is KAPProfessionals.com. Dot org King uh-huh. aware professionals kap professionals.org thank you for that uh very valuable resource Kate I appreciate that yeah there's good leadership uh, of you know among people who are represented on that site and I know that they they are way more informed than I do I am about the law and have really been kind of slogging away at these causes over time as cases come up you know when when there are examples of cases in the courts then they get used to set a precedent if they have a decision in the favor of the the people who are are um, in the lifestyle or you know affected so mm-hmm. I think that's how we see these these small efforts uh, grow bigger and bigger and you're not as much of an activist as uh, you used to be uh, but these, types of issues these things that we're talking about they're they're political subjects like very you know, much so somebody on the right that's conservative is probably not going to be in agreement with you know this type of lifestyle it's, it's going to be very contradictory to how they believe but despite that we're still making movements there's still you know progress being made is is there is it activism, you know, to have a podcast like this to, you know, join groups and and what kinds of of organizations do you know of any that are, you know, fighting for these rights? And I guess probably you know, the kink aware professionals might know better, but mm-hmm. right. um, 
but yeah, I'm just trying trying to think of how tying tying the activism into uh, into polyamory and trying to make a change. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. Yeah, and I mean, when I use the term activism, I'm thinking in a in a more specific way about promoting legislative change. You know, taking mm-hmm. actions that mean the law may be changed. So that's something that I'm not so directly involved in these days. But I'd very much think that. Just spreading the word like you're doing and increasing public awareness is a form of activism too. Um, Talking about sex work being something that's a legitimate job that Mm -hmm. should be legalized is a form of activism because that's startling to many people and it really changes their mental model. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think any of those kinds of conversations can be really mind-opening and useful. And that's where we want to be is helping people think in new ways. You know, we've got these maybe irrevocable changes going on in our culture because of COVID and the economy. And Mm -hmm. maybe this is a ripe time to start changing things and re-examining a lot of things with the environmental challenges we face and just so many people feeling repressed and unhappy. Uh, I think there's a lot of room to bring in fresh ideas and and uh, consider that a lot of the way that we live and the assumptions that we labor under could be really different. Try to make the world a better place. Yes. Now, now you're <laughs> mocking me. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. I've been a social worker since I was three. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> just believing in just principles and, you know, having an idea about that there, the world should be a certain way. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, what you were saying there. I think you, you answered my unasked question. My unasked question was what can we do, uh, you know, to, to promote some of this stuff to, to kind of be activists for the polyam community. (laughs) And I think that you, you, you nailed it, you know, with, uh, talking about, having the conversations, starting those conversations, being online and bringing awareness and, you know, joining different movements, um, you know, wherever it is that it's locally available to you. And, you know, nowadays it doesn't even all have to be local because we have all of these online uh, communities and finding out about the legislation that's, that's coming up and, you know, just just helping to support legislation. Um, so all that good stuff. Anything else that I missed there? Uh, I can't really think of anything else to say. I, I loved your questions, and I'm just really delighted we had an opportunity to talk. Me too. Me too. It's been fun. Uh, why don't you tell everybody, especially for those who are uh, listening on the podcast, uh, if they wanted to work with you, how it, how could they best get in touch with you, and are there any restrictions on who you can help? Well, I'm just always happy to be a resource and answer questions anytime I can. I'm, you know, I'm licensed in a few states, so I see people in various parts of the country, but um, you can just look me up on sexpositivetherapist.com. And if you have a question, send me a note and I'll get back to you via email as quickly as I can. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Kate, uh, for spending some time with me, giving me a little bit of insight on what we can do as a community to start attacking this uh, sex negative culture and, you know, bring power to the people, power to ourselves and, and uh, hopefully make some positive change. Thanks again so much.
All right. Thank you. And thanks, as always, to our live audience as well. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for our Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. All right, everybody. Uh, don't forget to follow at Practicing Polyamory. I saw that just as I was coming back. Anyway, all right. Beautiful Wednesday. Catch you all next week. Until then. Have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com 